Hello my lovelies and welcome back to another episode of Primed for Crime. I am your host Liv and I'm very excited to have you here and hope you enjoy today's case. Now today's case takes place in a small Cornish village called Chapel Amble where nothing bad seems to happen but that is until April 2002 when this tight-knit village found itself at the centre of a brutal murder mystery. Before we get into the case, I just want to state that everything I talk about today is just information I have found online, and I mean no disrespect to anybody involved or mentioned. So, let's begin. This is the murder of Les Bate. So Chapel Amble, um, it's a picture perfect village really in the Cornwall Civil Parish of St Q and it's very sparsely populated, it contains very little apart from obviously houses, there's one tiny shop, a post office and of course a local pub and it's really beautiful actually. I mean I love Cornwall anyway. I used to go there every year on holiday. Um, just Cornwall. There's something about Cornwall like you just don't feel like you're in England. It is absolutely amazing and yeah so this tiny little village beautiful and again reminds me of my hometown where I grew up. I used to live in a extremely small village with a very tight-knit community um, it literally had one pub, a cricket club and a village hall and that was it and everyone knows everyone and everyone knows everything like I still my parents still live there so if I go and visit and I may be walking down the street you will absolutely 100% at least say hello to at least five people <laughs> on like a 10 minute walk you just everyone's so friendly and it does have its downfalls, I suppose. I mean, you've got to be really careful with what you say and who you say stuff to, but nothing bad really ever happened there. And it's the same with Chapel Amble, like I said, um, but that is until April 2002, when this tiny village found itself at the center of a brutal murder mystery. So who is this murder mystery about? Well, at the centre of this mystery was an elderly farmer named Les Bate. Now he was 71 years old, a widow, and he was a very well-known person in this area. He was actually a self-made millionaire, owning four farms and several hundred acres of land, creating his fortune through hard work and apparently claimed he got the finance for his first farm by shooting rabbits. So apparently he shot between 80,000 to 100,000 rabbits a year which were then sold and shipped off to all parts of the country. Now, obviously I love little rabbits and I couldn't ever think of anybody hurting them and that seems like a high number. Obviously I know nothing about shooting or that sort of thing but I don't know, I feel kind of bad for the rabbits. Um, I mean, I have, I have guinea pigs, <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned that before, I have a few guinea pigs and they are my little babies and they're so similar to rabbits, like I just, I don't know, I don't like the idea of that but yeah, he kind of had this kind of work ethic, um, 
Andy was kind of like this smart businessman, if you want to say, kind of taking advantage of various subsides and you know what was available available to him so this is how he made his fortune and it's safe to say that les liked showing this off and he was even considered by many as quote-unquote flashy so a lot of the time he was he'd kind of like show off his wallet full of cash um or he'd be wearing obscene amounts of chunky gold jewelry you know that kind of thing like yeah look at me i've got all this money And Les, like many in the village, enjoyed drinking at the local pub and was a regular at the Maltster's Arms. Now, in fact, he would be there almost nightly. He'd go in, have a few pints, have a laugh, tell some stories, a bit of arm wrestling, you know, just living his best life before driving his red Land Rover Discovery two miles down the road to his home at Tregilda's farm. And to be honest, Old men in small villages, especially in local pubs, are a right laugh. There, <laughs> there is a few from my local that come to mind and you either love them or you hate them. It's really one of those sort of things. Um, very Marmite. I feel like, especially if you are not a regular and, you know, you go in and a local says something, specifically old men, um... I wouldn't say specifically farmers, but, you know, they're just kind of, I don't know, but this was kind of the same with Les. Although he was well known, it didn't necessarily mean that everybody liked him. There was actually quite a lot of locals who weren't huge fans of Les, purely because of, well, he was the, he was the type of person that he was. I mean, for example, there were rumours flying around the village that he had previously evicted farm tenants unfairly just because he didn't like them. And he was kind of known to be a quite upfront and forthright in his kind of political opinions. Um, he'd often speak out to locals with his opinions on matters. In fact, um, and I'm sorry to go back to my local again, but we actually used to have a little hat hung on the fireplace that we called the Brexit hat. So anytime anyone wanted to talk about it, they had to wear the hat. And it was pretty funny, to be honest. Um, But yeah, he would just voice his opinions and it wasn't exactly... He wasn't exactly bothered by what people thought about him, even if what he was saying offended people. Now, one thing that I will mention before we get into this case is that Les had only recently become a local at the Maltster's Arms. So before that, he used to go to the St Q Inn, but he'd actually been barred for being abusive to the staff and the customers. So on Friday the 12th of April 2002, Les had been at the Molster's Arms, and as usual, that night there was a few people in, maybe about 30 people, who were mostly locals, but perhaps a couple of unknowns. And Les was just been his usual self, you know, joking around, flashing his wallet, telling stories, and in fact, he had actually made quite a scene over the fact that he had a thousand pounds in cash on him, as well as a cheque for 11 grand. So, you know, some locals were telling him like, okay, Les, you know, stop flashing it. Um, But he just decided to ignore their advice and just carried on without a care. Um, 
So yeah, he really wasn't bothered that all these people, mainly locals, but there were people who he didn't know and he was just throwing this money around with no care in the world. Um, so yeah, he was enjoying life and later that evening, Les left the pub at closing time. Now I'm not exactly sure what time that was, but obviously it's going to be late, it could be midnight, something like that. And he just drove his usual route home, and nothing seemed out of the ordinary. The next day, Les's daughter, who lived in Australia, attempted to contact him, but there was no answer from Les, which was kind of strange. He was usually pretty good with keeping up with talking to her. So, you know, it could be nothing, but she thought he could be injured or sick. So eventually, after worrying, she decided to contact her brother Martin, who lived nearby to Chapel Amble. And Martin said that he would go by Les's farm and make sure that he was alright and wasn't in any trouble. So Martin arrived at the farm at 11.30am on Sunday the 14th. And what he found inside would shake him to his core. Martin found Les lying down in a pool of his own blood inside the house near the back door. Now obviously, shocked and horrified that he just found his dad like that, Martin quickly called the police who arrived on scene shortly after. Now the police searched the scene when they arrived, but they couldn't find a weapon or any evidence of forced entry to the farm. So this led them to believe initially that Les had simply fallen in a drunken state and maybe hit his head or something. But a post-mortem was carried out and at first it came back inconclusive. But nearly two weeks later, a second one was carried out because, well, they needed to find out what had happened. Like, why did it come back inconclusive? And the second one came back with some shocking news. It found that Les had actually suffered a brutal beating with several internal injuries were found um, as well as several broken bones and a severe head injury which I don't understand how the first one came back inconclusive like how could this have been overlooked as normal I mean I suppose if if mostly it was internal I, I kind of get it but you know I'm glad that they did a second one um, and it's never really been explained how this was overlooked and why it took two weeks. You know, it's been discovered two weeks later. That is most likely a murder. And whoever was responsible for this had two weeks head start. You know, it was a, a major setback, but obviously we know it's a murder now. And with the news that this murderer was potentially in this village, Many locals started to talk and local gossip and theories were absolutely rife at this point. This could have been carried out by someone that they knew, they could live next door to them, they could be drinking with them. So soon enough people started to fear, they were scared and honestly rightly so, especially in such a small village like that. Like. I know you hear about murders in like city centres and stuff and I'm like okay well it's close by but I don't really go there that often, I don't really know that many people but this is like, it's such a small village and 
for something like that to happen must have been absolutely shocking. A police investigation began with 50 officers working relentlessly to try and find the person responsible. There was also a forensic examination on Les's farm and all the roads and like hedgerows surrounding the house were searched for a potential murder weapon. And this is when the police started interviewing the locals, especially those who knew Les and customers who were regulars at the Maltster's Arms and the St Q Inn. So every customer that could be traced who had been in these two locations was questioned, fingerprinted and DNA tested. The police very soon learnt about Les's last movements at the Maltster's Arms and heard about Les showing off his cash and this big cheque on the night that he was murdered, which by the way was missing and has never been found. The money that he had um, has never been found. So after hearing all this about the money, the police were adamant at this point that the motive was robbery. Detective Superintendent Chris Barland said, quote, This has all the hallmarks of somebody who knew that Les would be returning and was probably waiting for him to come home and then attack him. People knew he often used to carry significant amounts of cash with him. My view is that there is definitely a local angle to this. We are keeping an open mind, but all the indications are that this was carried out by a person or persons who knew him. Quote. At this stage, the police had taken over 900 statements, with a good amount of these inquiries being followed up, but the police were still no closer to catching whoever was responsible for murdering Les. However, the police then revealed they did have one clue. Traces of DNA belonging to someone other than Les were found on items of the outer clothing he was wearing when he was killed. However, after testing, none of the locals matched this DNA. The police even visited the shop in the nearby town of Wadebridge where it had been purchased and they tested all the employees in case it was their DNA, but again there was no match. Every person they tested against this DNA came back negative. And still to this day, no match has ever been found. You know, even on national DNA databases, which is crazy to me. I mean, you'd think that for someone to murder this man in such a brutal manner, that, well, they would have done something similar before or committed some sort of crime. And, you know, I mean, to be fair, they could have still committed crimes but not been caught for for it you know where I'm coming from it's just so bizarre don't get it so there are no suspects there is no one who matched this DNA there is just nothing and it's difficult because it's not unknown that not everyone liked him but to try and focus in on evidence on each individual person who didn't like him and find somebody who hated him enough to kill him just didn't seem plausible at this time. So as I previously mentioned, robbery seemed likely to be the motive, and in fact, it wasn't the first time Les was caught up in a robbery. 
In October 2001, Les's farm got burgled whilst he was out, and there were various valuable paintings taken from his house, as well as a safe containing over 47 grand in cash. So it could be possible that whoever was behind that could have maybe come back for more. I mean, to me, at least, it feels like someone local is behind this, or even somebody familiar with the area, or Les, you know, they had to have at least known Les to know either that he would be out at that time or what time he was coming home, you know, etc. And it's very possible that more than one person was behind it because, I mean, don't get me wrong, Les is old and wasn't exactly quote-unquote fit, but he was stocky, he had a big build and he was powerful, especially for a 71-year-old. You know, I don't think he would have had a problem going up against a singular person trying to rob his house. And actually speaking of this, after the burglary, Les started sleeping with a loaded shotgun next to him, claiming that he wouldn't hesitate against using it um, against an intruder. So he was definitely up for a fight. So to me this is the reason why I don't think it was one single person for the murder at least it could have possibly been a single person the first time but if it was someone who knew Les or a local in the pub they could have maybe heard him talking about his shotgun and they could have thought oh you know shit you know I best get some backup if I'm gonna go back you know that sort of thing I kind of I kind of feel like I'm rambling but I'm sorry <laughs> I hope you're catching up with me but it could explain how Les could have died in a struggle. You know, he might not have been expecting two people. So the chances of two separate, unconnected incidents of robbery in such a short space of time, in such a small area, just don't seem likely. And, you know, again, I'm I'm sorry if I'm bringing up my hometown village again, but there was an incident that happened there and I don't want to say too much as, you know, you never know who's listening and I don't want to upset people or get involved. So I'll keep it brief and to the point. And it was a fair few years ago now, but basically my neighbor's car got firebombed or whatever you call it. And it was all up in flames. It was absolutely terrible, traumatic. She was really shook up, as you would be. And then a week later, the same thing happened to the guy she had recently started seeing. And we all knew who had done it. We all knew the village talked, but the police wouldn't or couldn't do anything about it because there was, quote, no evidence. Things like this in small villages very, very rarely happen. So when they do, if it's more than once, it's absolutely got to be connected there is just no way that it isn't so whew, sorry about that so theorizing that everyone in the local area everyone did the dna test and if the theory that les was either followed home or somebody was waiting in the dark for him then the main suspects have to be the people in the monster's arms that Friday evening who were not known to the locals, okay? Remember I said there were a few people there who were not locals that night. So it's very possible that these unknowns were maybe watching Les, saw him show off his money, then when he left, maybe relayed a message to somebody waiting at the farm for him, 
And don't forget, this farm is huge. There would have been plenty of areas for someone to hide out. And it's out the way. It's pretty isolated as well. So with this being, it's possible that Les was taken by surprise as he entered through the side door by somebody who likely either knew him or his routine or somebody that had followed him. So... To me, it seems crazy again that there is no solid suspect. And I know I keep saying it, but in such a small village, small community. Um, but then again, it could have been its biggest downfall. You know, the locals obviously will have their own suspicions about who is to blame. And surely, and hopefully, the suspicions were brought to the police to be investigated because they will know more than the police probably at this point um they will know what everyone's up to who hates who who said what so surely there must have been something but it's hard to say it really is hard to say um and actually, over the course of the investigation, there were a few people arrested, some with criminal records, and there was one who was known to be an enemy, enemy, enemy of Les's, if you will, but nobody was charged, and like I said before, the DNA has never been matched. Oh god, I feel like I've just been talking for ages. Um, but yeah, that does conclude today's case. I mean, Les's family still live in hope that maybe one day Les will get the justice that he deserves either through someone's conscience after all his time or through a DNA match being found because it's not unknown that that happens um it has happened before in previous cases I did one a while back where they'd got this DNA after this girl had been murdered and I think it was something silly like 20 years later or something just by chance they got this DNA of this bloke who had never committed a crime before, nothing like that. It was literally this one-time thing, uh, one time that shouldn't have happened. And yeah, they randomly caught him through this DNA 20 years later, um, which is crazy, but it can happen. And I'm just going to finish off by reading a quote from Les's daughter from an interview with the Devon Western Morning News in 2012. So she said, quote, I am fairly confident that one day I will get a call. I am less optimistic than I was previously, and we are now 10 years on, but we do live with that expectation. I have said all along that the person who has done this is being protected by a wife or a girlfriend or someone close to them. I know after 10 years it is not really likely that they will come forward, but I would still like to appeal to that person's decency." End quote. So that is all from me today. If you would like some more true crime, then please head over to the Primed for Crime TikTok page where I post small snippets of cases daily as well as the serial killer series that is still on at the moment. Um, yeah, I will let you get on with the rest of your week. And honestly, I'm going to be thinking about this case all week. Like my mind is just boggled. I'm like this with every case though. Every time a new case comes up and I start researching... I just don't understand how people don't get caught. It is so infuriating. Um, and I'm sure that's exactly how Les's family feel. But yeah, I will leave you with that and I will see you next week. See you later.